0: West United! West United! West United! welcome into 49ers access my name is sterling bennett and today we are going to react to the San Francisco 49ers, 22-16 victory over the Los Angeles Chargers in primetime Sunday night football at Levi's Stadium. And look, as San Francisco advances to 5-4 on the year, with a Seattle loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Germany, San Francisco now sits just one game behind the NFC West division lead. They're now 3-1 and one at home. This season and right now, things are looking up for the San Francisco 49ers. To think this team was 1-2 and earlier this year, at a certain point it felt like that uh, this team was kind of, uh, not to say in the dumps, but a, a team that we kind of all questioned, who really are you? And I think we found out, not enough, not a lot, but we did find out a little more as to what this San Francisco 49ers team will look like going forward and maybe have figured out uh, something that I, I really has been bothering me the past few weeks and really the entire s- season as to how serious are the Niners as contenders. So we're going to dive all into it right now, starting with that first quarter <laughs> at Levi Stadium because... That first drive by the Chargers had me nervous, to say the the least, right? And that first drive, Herbert went down 4 for 4 scores a touchdown pass, and I think, like myself, many other Niner fans out there were like, oh, (laughs) that's the performance the defense puts up following a bye week, following getting guys like Shire back, Uh, having another week for Jimmy Ward to not have a cast on his arm. That's the scheme you put together. That's the performance that you're going to have be your first showing post-bye week. And luckily, things tightened up much later in the game. But that first first drive had me thinking, is this going to be the Falcons game all over again? Is this going to be a day where San Francisco should win? They're supposed to win, but they just come out and they play flat. It kind of felt as if, or at least the initial thoughts were, especially because the defense gives the opening touchdown up, then the offense comes out and they methodically march down the field. They ran it nine times on their first drive, settled for a field goal, made it seven to three, and then Shanahan calls like five draw plays in a row into the heart of the defensive line, and I... I don't think I'm alone if I say that there was a point in this game early where I questioned if that bye week did come too soon, that did it come at the wrong time, where maybe there wasn't a bye week in Week 9, they carry over the momentum from the Rams game, they play the Chargers at home, they're feeling themselves, and they don't have the week to take off, right? Because... Sometimes after a bye week, you can kind of get unfocused. You can think of non-football activities. You can, I don't know, your mind can just go elsewhere. And because your mind goes elsewhere, your body might go elsewhere. And your performance might change. What you play might change simply because you're not locked in 24-7. And I do think that that was a big part of last year. Right, that was a big part of that amazing stretch down the end of the year where it was every single game mattered. It kept this team locked in every single day where even despite a bad play, a bad loss, they could not afford to give up any more ground and it kept them going and going and going. And so at a certain point in this game, I did wonder that maybe the bye week did come at a wrong time for this team. Then IU fumbles and then you're like, oh my goodness, the Chargers are somehow going to go up 14-3 to in this game. Now, thankfully, uh, for as bad or as inconsistent as not good, <laughs> for lack of better terms, that first couple drives were for San Francisco's offense, the Chargers missed a ton of opportunities. There was a handful of plays in this game where the Chargers either had a receiver wide open and Herbert missed him, Uh, There was a play to Josh Palmer where Herbert overshot his man with the Norrin coverage, and that could have been a touchdown, could have made this game 14-13. And so that was one instance of many where L.A. had San Francisco on their heels, had an opportunity to overtake San Francisco or at least push San Francisco early in this game, put their backs against the wall, and make it, not impossible, but again, make it... Kind of, kind of shock your system where it's like we're not supposed to be down. How are we down? The, our, our quote-unquote star players aren't performing early in this game. We look slow. It, maybe the bye week was at the wrong time again. It just there was a certain point in this game where I think everyone kind of said, "Oh boy," and then the offense goes three and out, and they're down ten to three. San Francisco's had three drives. They've settled for a field goal for their first drive. Then they fumbled on the second play or, or the first play of the second drive. Then L.A. couldn't put up a touchdown 10-3 to and San Francisco goes three and out once again. And look, there was a time, there was a point in this game where where San Francisco was starting off slow and you can slowly feel them getting momentum, right? I mean, the box score tells a very different story. Elijah Mitchell, 18 carries, 89 yards. Christian McCaffrey, 14 carries, albeit 38 yards on the ground. He also had 39 yards through the air. But yeah, one touchdown. Jimmy Garoppolo had one touchdown on the ground. Debo Samuel ran the ball four times. Like, this team ran the ball 41 times for 157 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, that's a slow offensive day, but that is what... I think everybody expected, or at least I expected to happen against the Chargers. A slow, methodical game. Now, I did expect more explosive plays, and that's what was happening early. It was, they they were getting, you know, three yards of carry, but they just couldn't get that first down. They couldn't get that big play to spark them early in this game. It took a Jimmy Garoppolo QB sneak touchdown, to get them in the end zone for the first time. It took them late in the game from McCaffrey's first touchdown in this game. This was a lot of game played either for San Francisco in the red zone and a lack of getting in the end zone. Or for the Chargers, this was a game kind of played at midfield where San Francisco's defense played well enough and, and tightened the screws up in that second half to hold them because there was a time in this game where it very easily could have gotten away from San Francisco. So it's ten and three. And I'm sitting here thinking, look, San Francisco has Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell back from injury, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, the best left tackle in football, right now having a Pro Bowl season, Aaron Banks at left guard. You got the freaking buffet of offenses. And Instead of picking the steak and the ice cream and you know maybe the the honey walnut prawns or whatever you like at a buffet, you have so many options, so many you know, ethnic food groups, so many variety of desserts and breakfasts and lunch and dinner. there's so much variety, so many ways to hurt a defense. but it felt like Kyle Shanahan in the offense was just that ham and cheese the the good old piece of white bread. One slice of ham, one slice of American or cheddar cheese, and and maybe some mayonnaise. It felt very plain. It felt very vanilla because it lacked explosion. And what is the one thing you think of when you, again, you think of Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, who's having a great year, Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey, you think of explosion bang 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 that's what you think of how like like the home run play is available to you by every personnel player on the field like every single weapon you have can hurt you in some area so then again you got the buffet you're eating freaking ham and cheese in the corner and it's like can someone do something like why are we paying Debo Samuel big money why are we paying George Kittle big money when they're doing nothing? Now, it isn't to say that you do not have, or the Niners, every NFL team has games like this where it's a grind out, maybe an unexpected opponent plays them tougher, and you just have to escape with the win. But it's because this year has been so up and down, roller coaster ride, that it does make you question actually how good this team is. And so, San Francisco's down ten to three. Defense forces a three and out. They get the ball back, and the offense goes three and out. They get their freaking punt blocked. And and can we just discuss how bad San Francisco's special teams, at least the blocking unit, has been for punts and kicks this year? I believe that's their third, if not fourth, blocked field goal slash punt this year. And it's funny because. I'm not going to pick on Oren Burks because he's been relatively good this year for us, whether filling in for, you know, a starting linebacker or, you know, being a part of that special teams unit, but he was brought in to specifically improve the special teams unit. Guess who got blocked into the kick or guess who got blocked and was for, a I guess a, a weird word to use, penetrated by the defense. It was Oren Burks, and it was like, dude, isn't this supposed to be your job? Now, again, I'm not going to pick on him, but it just kind of made me laugh where it was like the special teams player, the the uh, the person you brought in to specifically improve that unit is the one that gets beat on this play. Then for the Chargers, uh, Dre Greenlaw blows coverage, and McKitty drops a touchdown pass. And you're like, dude, like, how many times I... At this point in the game, I tweeted out, I said, at what point does San Francisco's either luck run out or they decide to play up to expectations? Because the expectations are at the least top 10 offense, playoff team, if not top five offense, Super Bowl contender. And they were playing like a number seven seed in this game at the beginning of the game. Later it changes, but at the beginning of this game, they felt like a team that was just going to skate in. And they were getting lucky left and right. I mean, Herbert was avoiding sacks. They got Palmer for a near touchdown. Hufunga was in coverage. I mean, Ward's in coverage. But then the defense comes up big once again, makes a huge stop. And then you're sitting there thinking, okay, Like, San Francisco has to do something. San Francisco literally has to get some points on the board, right? Like, at what point do we sit here and say, uh, we're going to lose? We don't know. And so, it's 3rd and 12, and San Francisco is down 13-3. to It's almost halftime. And you can't go down at halftime 13 to 3 at your own house. Or in this case, it was going to be an opportunity for the Chargers to get the ball back and maybe score again. Like this game at a certain point could have been 20, maybe 16 at the best, 16 to 3, 20 to 3 at halftime. And big kudos to Jimmy Garoppolo here. Because on a big third down and 12 at your own 23 yard line, what does he do? goes through his progressions, hits George Kittle over the middle, 21 yards. Kittle gets nine yards of yak, and it gets you near midfield. It really saves this drive for San Francisco. Then that next play leads to the Jimmy to McLeod off-schedule play. McLeod, for 33 yards, goes out of bounds. Then there was a the penalty, it was declined, obviously, but there's two back-to-back game-saving plays, momentum-saving plays, from Jimmy Garoppolo in this game. And I am so <laughs> like, what we're seeing from Jimmy Garoppolo this year, to some, it might be the anomaly. It might be the outlier. But to me, this looks like, and I believe Joe Staley said this, and I think that after the Seattle game, we kind of all hinted towards it was that it looks like Jimmy Garoppolo's playing more free. It feels like the restraints of, I'm under a five year contract. I have to, you know, mold the Kyle Shanahan system. And while some of those restraints are still there, it does feel as if Jimmy G maybe feels the pressure kind of off his shoulders where he no longer has to be that franchise quarterback for anybody. He can just play for himself. He knows that. Or the likely, you know, the, the likely answer is Trey Lance will be the quarterback next year in San Francisco. I think we'd all assume so. Uh, Jay Glazer said today that Trey Lance is still going to be the quarterback next year in 2023. Uh, but for Jimmy G, there, there, are, there is no pressure of, I have to be the guy. I can just win games and play freely. And I do think we're seeing that. And I do think that the McLeod play is one of many other plays this year that you can point to and say, he wasn't doing that the last five years. Maybe it was injuries or the scheme, the play calling. Who knows? We'll never know. But Jimmy sees the play break down, scrambles to his left, off schedule, hits McLeod over the defender, a big 33-yard gain, sets it up for San Francisco to get in the end zone. He scores his only touchdown on the ground in this game, and the team ends up winning the game 22-16-16. And Jimmy Garoppolo goes 10-2 and two as a starting quarterback with no passing touchdowns. I mean, we know that Jimmy Garoppolo is this kind of uh, mythical creature of quarterbacks where he can have 150 yards passing, no passing touchdowns, no rushing touchdowns, and somehow they still win the game. And it's like, well, he's the guy, they're winning, and, like, that's the effect he has. And to a certain point, you can say, look, that that, that that's great, <laughs> like, But that wears itself thin. And I do think that's where the fan base was in 2020 and 2021. But I do think this year we are starting to see a shift towards appreciating what Jimmy does. And on Jimmy's side of things, it's not just the fan base. He's doing things that we haven't seen him or seen him do consistently before. Like, he's been... I think Jimmy's always had the clutch gene that kind of escaped him in 2020 and 2021 but we did see some of that magic against the rams late in the year week 18 and other plays scattered throughout the season that the Bengals game of course in cincinnati last year but i do think that we are seeing a more consistently big play throw jimmy where game on the line i may not pick him out of Mahomes and allen and kirk cousins maybe and and joe burrow tom brady but I think he's playing better than most people, at least name recognition wise, you would list ahead of him. Like Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray, I'm still leaning Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, that isn't to say that he's a better quarterback than them in the grand scheme of things, but right now, he's the best quarterback in his division. And a year ago, I don't think anybody would have said that. And that's kudos to him for kind of changing his game a little bit, where, again, we don't know the exact reason why, but Jimmy does feel like there is, not a new Jimmy, but it just feels like that everything that may have been holding him back, whether it was personally, in his own head, the scheme, it does feel like that there is no longer pressure on him outside of the normal go-win-us-the-game, where... He can trust Ayuk now, who it seems like he's building a ton of chemistry with. Four straight games, 81 yards, a should have been touchdown in this game. Like, there were so many missed opportunities for the Chargers in this game, but there were so many missed opportunities in, or excuse me, for San Francisco in this game. I mean, when Ayuk dropped that touchdown pass, and I get it, he had a good game outside of that, but he fumbled. And then he dropped the touchdown pass, and it was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, you're building on to something, you're building momentum coming into the bye week. And again, like like the defense early in the game, this is the performance you want to put out there. And the issue was is that nobody was getting open but Iuke. It was Mitchell and running with McCaffrey and then Iuke in this game. And Debo was a non-factor. Kittle was a non-factor outside of one play which was the big third down catch we already talked about, but it just felt like that there was so many missed opportunities where it was like, you have everything you need to succeed, (laughs) but you're not doing it. And that's what makes these games so frustrating because, yes, they won. And Jimmy G said it best himself. He was asked, what do you say to people that would complain that the, the offense didn't perform up to expectations you didn't put up 30 points and he said we got the win right now obviously he expanded but that was kind of the initial you know the the initial takeaway was like we won the game didn't we which that should be the the common you know common consensus opinion of well well, they won okay they didn't win pretty sometimes you have to win ugly Out in the East Bay, they have the team called the Ugly Eagles. They ain't the Pretty Eagles of Clayton Valley. They're the Ugly Eagles of Clayton Valley. Sometimes you gotta win ugly, right? Sometimes it's not gonna be pretty. Sometimes it's gonna be nine and nine to nothing in Washington in a mud bowl. Sometimes you're gonna lose to the Bears in a monsoon. Like those things happen, and it doesn't excuse some of these things because going into the second half, again they drop the touchdown pass. I, I does got to get a field goal, but then that's when things started to flip and the entire Niners team the offense kind of spoke on this in their postgame pressers was that while the Chargers missed opportunities kept San, kept San Francisco in this game because this game could have been a lot worse for the Niners equally the Niners missed opportunities kept Los Angeles in this game. And now you can argue that if the Chargers had Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and had Rashawn Slater and Joey Bosa and J.C. Jackson, they'd probably won this game. And to that, I'd say you're probably right. The difference is they didn't have any of those guys, and San Francisco won. Now, that doesn't mean that San Francisco can play like this all year long and just be okay. People on Twitter were saying that you know, San Francisco has, you know, has the – you know, the the stuff to go all the way this year. Like, if they, if they play like this, gritty and hard and run the football, they'll go all the way this year. And my reaction to that was, no. That you may be able to beat a team like Philadelphia who just lost their first game of the season to the Commanders when the Commanders ran for 130 plus yards and they ran 40 times. That's something Kyle Shanahan would like to do every single game. Control the clock, run the ball 40 times. We know this. But that's not going to help you beat, let's say, I don't know, maybe a Dallas Cowboys team. And I'm not saying San Francisco can't beat them. They beat them last year. Cowboys are the Cowboys. We know that. But come playoff time and going against an explosive offense that's healthy, it's not going to be that simple. What if the Bucks get healthy? They're explosive. They can't run the football. But they can pass the ball at will. You think playing like this is going to help you beat the Chiefs? Beat the Bills? No, that's not the case. Now, the elements are there to be that team. Jimmy's playing very well. Ayuk's having a really good second or third season, excuse me. Trent Williams is playing great. Aaron Banks is playing pretty well. The offensive line was good maybe outside of McGlinchey who every single time he was against Cleo Mack was on skates going backwards. Like he's, you know, in the, uh, in the Christmas story sliding around like, Oh my God. (laughs) I was just like, dude, like plant your feet and block somebody for the love of God. And like, again, the elements are there and Kyle Shanahan spoke about this in his post game presser. He said that, you know, for myself, it's like, I lost my leading rusher. They traded him, Jeff Wilson Jr., to the Dolphins. And I brought in McCaffrey. But then I'm also getting Elijah Mitchell back. And then I'm getting a healthy Debo Samuel back. And I have Ayuk and I have Kittle. And it's like I have this new box of toys on Christmas morning. And I don't necessarily know what to play with first. Or, you know, it's, it's kind of like when you're a child again on Christmas where you have so many toys and you're like, I, I have no idea what to do with myself. I don't know how every toy can play together. Like, I was someone who liked to play with Star Wars and G.I. Joe and Power Rangers. And sometimes, as a kid, you have all those toys in a box, and you want to have your your, your G.I. Joes and your Power Rangers and your Star Wars fight each other. And you're like, but I have all these toys that don't match up, they don't make sense, it's a bunch of different... Kind of discombobulated pieces that aren't cohesive, and you're trying to mash them all together. And it doesn't make sense. Again, you're at, you're at the buffet, and you got the crab legs, and you got the you know you got the chicken chow mein, and you got the ice cream, and you got you know the ham and cheese sandwich still. And you're like, how do all these fit into one meal? And really, they don't. But how are you going to make that meal cohesive? You have all the ingredients to make that perfect dish that you want to eat that Kyle Shanahan wants to scheme for. But this game may have just been the building block game, the kind of tested out game. Now, you can argue that you had the whole bye week. What the heck you testing out? You had the whole bye week to put this scheme together, and you only scored 22 points. And there are plenty of times you were in the red zone, five times in this game, and you scored twice. There's no excuse for that. And guess what I would say? I agree, because the play action was not working in this game at all. And and, and there was a time late in the, and I mean late in this game, where it is 16 to 16-13 going into the fourth quarter, and San Francisco has to score, has to, or game's over with. The Chargers looked cooked, they were tired, they were old, I mean, not old, but... Game-wise, it felt like L.A. had given San Francisco their best shot early. And they couldn't hold up. They got worn down. Right? But that that last drive, really, the best drive of the game, I can argue, for San Francisco. It's 13-16, and San Francisco starts on their own 23-yard line. Bang to Debo Samuel. Jawan Jennings, a big third-down catch. Like In this... Drive alone, Jawan Jennings was the, almost the MVP of the game. He essentially saved this drive, this game, for San Francisco. Third down catch on 3-5 and five at their own 28-yard line. Then you go to second and 20 at your own 29. Jawan Jennings, 12-yard catch, 5 yards of yak. Other than the third and eight, Then very next play, Jawan Jennings for 10 yards, first down. Gets them to their own 41-yard line. Elijah Mitchell, a big run for nine yards. Mitchell again, and Mitchell again, Mitchell again, McCaffrey. Then Garoppolo to McCaffrey for no gain. And you're sitting there, and it's third and 10. And you go, okay, what's going to happen here? Jimmy hits Ayuk for 24 yards. Huge play. Huge play. Gets him in at the goal line. McCaffrey puts it in the game. Or, or puts in the end zone, excuse me. Like, it was not like anything was coming easy. I mean, they had some big chunk plays in there, but Jawan Jennings has essentially been Kendrick Bourne in that drive alone. He he was a player that comes up clutch on third downs and gets first downs. Like, Jawan Jennings was a game saver. Him and Jimmy essentially put that game on their back. They <laughs> put the game on their back in that last drive of the game. And And, and look... Since 2021, Juwan Jennings has been targeted 27 times on third down. 20 receptions, converted 18 of them for either a first down or touchdown. He is Kendrick Bourne. Like, the offense did just enough in this game. Got over the edge, got over the hump. But still, it it, it just felt like it, I have my exact tweet in front of me. It's third and nine, five minutes left. Jimmy throws that ball to Ayuk on the right sideline. And my exact tweet was, oh my God, ballsy throw, little dangerous and a great physical catch by Yuke." I go, that makes up for your fumbling, your drop touchdown earlier in this game. Three minutes left, third and 13. And I'm sitting here saying, we're only up, <laughs> we're only up. By three points, it's 19-16. to McCaffrey's touchdown could be nothing in this game. What does San Francisco do? They run seven plays in four and a half minutes, and with three minutes left, they give the Chargers the ball back. I mean, the Chargers have essentially two minutes and ten seconds with three timeouts, but then guess what? Boom. Punt. An amazing punt. One yard. At the one-yard line. By Wisnowski, is worth every single penny. Samuel Womack catches the football. But even then, I'm sitting there saying, we literally are giving an elite top 10 quarterback, top eight quarterback, roughly two and a half minutes, two minutes to go out there and put up three points. It's not like it hasn't happened before. And because of every missed opportunity early in that game, whether it was the Chargers not scoring touchdowns, IU's fumble, the red zone efficiency being atrocious in this game, whether it's Kyle Shanahan doing freaking draw play shotgun runs in the red zone on second and third and fourth down, they do not work, Kyle, for the love of God, stop. They didn't work with McKinnon in 2020. They didn't work last year with Mitchell and Wilson, and they haven't worked this year. Especially in this game, so you give him the ball back, and it's just like, oh, <laughs> like please, please don't score, God, please don't let them score. We have to win this game. We had a buy, but we have to win this game. We cannot lose. When Seattle lost, and the, the Eagles have now lost, and the Cardinals have just won. They beat the Rams. They're three and six. San Francisco can separate themselves another game from the Cardinals, an inch closer. To Seattle, we have a three to nothing or record in the division, like we can't lose this game. And then thankfully turnover on downs. But then you're sitting there saying, Cool, it's 1916. We have the ball. Go down there and score touchdowns. Step on their freaking throat and what do we do? Four plays, six yard. Mitchell, run for for six yards. Mitchell, run for one yard. Mitchell, run for minus one yard. Go for the field goal. I have no complaints at going for the field goal. My biggest complaint is that San Francisco this year can do all the work. It's kind of like, and maybe it's, you know, my experience, but it's kind of like the friend that can do all the smooth talking but can't close when talking to the girl, right? Can't get her number. San Francisco can march from the one-yard line at their own red zone to the 99th yard line to the, to the opposite one yard line in chargers territory and they'll run it four times and they'll get negative yards or get stuffed four separate times and it's like at some point just do a freaking shotgun pass and let jimmy who's been really good this year do his job or here's a better idea do what worked earlier in the game and just freaking QB sneak it four times. <laughs> Jimmy's averaging like three yards per QB sneak. Just QB sneak it three, or four times, get in the end zone. No one can stop it. I mean, you watch Josh Allen almost fumble that game away against the Vikings. How many quarterbacks just past week in week 10 fumbled doing quarterback things or got stuffed doing quarterback sneaks? You know, you know who doesn't get stuffed? The QB sneak god. Jimmy Grupp like, like you're right there at the one. They know when you have McCaffrey in the backfield that you're gonna run it with him. I've always, or, or I've often wondered that why isn't George Kittle ever used as a running back or a fullback in certain cases? And I understand in the red zone you want him to be a passer, you want him to block, you know, kind of be the extra offensive lineman. I understand that, but like with all the weapons you have, especially in a goal line situation. Wouldn't you want to have every player that could hurt the defense on the field all the time? Now I get guys need rest. I'm all for McCaffrey and Mitchell splitting carries. Like They got the exact same amount of touches. I'm fine with that. McCaffrey has injury history. So does Mitchell. Just keep them healthy. It's better that way, right? But at a certain point, when the game's on the line, when you're at, like, scoring is not easy in football. Not at all. And with this Niners team that has had a hard time scoring consistently throughout the entirety of games, when you're in the red zone five times, you have to score. They scored twice. Imagine if they had, like, they could have had an extra 21 points in this game. This game could have been somewhere between 35-16 to 43-16. and But it was 22. So whether it's Shanahan, whoever it may be, I mean, he's making the choices, the decisions. So if you're in the goal line, I want to see Debo and Kittle and Ayuk and McCaffrey and Mitchell and, and Juszczyk on the field all at the same time. Make the defense have to guess who's going to get the football. And guess what? You do your best job to make sure you can pick the person they're not going to get the ball to. Like, good luck, defense. Good luck. You can't do it. You cannot guard seven offensive weapons that are Pro Bowl level at the worst every single play. It's impossible. That's what made, and I get it, very different styles of offense, but that's what made the Chiefs so dangerous. You can't guard Mahomes you can't guard Tyree Kelly, you can't guard Kelsey. And probably a better example is the Saints for a couple years, or even the Patriots. How can you guard Brady and Welker and Moss and Dante Stallworth and Kevin Falk and Corey Dillon? You can't do it. Like, that's why they're the, one of the best offenses of all time, because defenses had to say, anybody can hurt us. So Why not in a situation like this? Would you not want everybody that can hurt the opposition, but alas, they won 22-16, and look, I I have to give a ton of credit too because Demeco Ryans, in this game, of all the talk of, from Robert Sala of, can he make second half adjustments, I think Demeco Ryans has shown time and time again that he can. That in this game, when the offense, or... When the defense isn't getting, you know, gashed, but like I said earlier, the Chargers have missed plenty of opportunities to be up by two touchdowns, if not three total scores. So what Tameka Ryans did in the second half should not go unrecognized because he was amazing. In the second half of the Niners versus Chargers, the defense only allowed three first downs, 17 rushing yards. Seven completions for 35 yards. And the Chargers 52 yards gained in that second half was their lowest output in a single half since week eight of, guess what, 2007. 2007! 15 years ago. And that's with... Top 10 quarterback in the NFL? I get the Chargers are banged up, but at what point do you not see that this team, Bosa had nine pressures, and had six. Menehue has been phenomenal this year. He has been the ardent key of this year for San Francisco. He had one sack, six pressures. You know, Charles Menehue is second on this team with four sacks this year. He doesn't even start he doesn't even start like he has been found money to ryan's again the way he blitzes there was a time in this game where you're sitting there and you're saying okay look someone for whether it's defense or the offense somebody for san francisco has to make a big play whether it's turnover whether it's a big sack and what happens well, Demeco Ryan says, "Dial up the blitz, we're coming, honey, and you you can't stop us." Warner gets home, Hufanga gets home, Bosa gets to TFL. Like, Demeco Ryan's was in his bag, and, and really he has been almost all year, outside of two games this year. Demeco Ryan's has been in his bag every single game. Take out the Falcons and Chiefs games, and I get you can't do that, but. If you want to use the injury excuse, by all means, go ahead. I mean, this defense has looked phenomenal. D'Amico Ryans is the best defensive coordinator in football. I, I don't care what anybody says. I I don't care. He is my number one defensive coordinator in football. He's going he's gonna to be head coach, and rightfully so. Like, the only way he's not head coach is if he says no again, <laughs> which I don't think he'd want to do. And before we go, I want to give credit to plenty of other guys. Like, when when Jimmy hit IUK over the middle on that third down late in the game to set them up for the go-ahead score, the go-ahead touchdown on Christian McCaffrey's rushing touchdown, uh, Daniel Brunskill, who has been in and out of the lineup because of Burford, because of injuries early this year, he has looked— or in this instance, picking up the blitz, I mean, blocks the guy coming to his right, pushes him off, goes to his left, blocks a guy, buys Jimmy time, hits take over the middle. It, it, it's that stuff that should not go unrecognized. Where a guy who essentially is not a starter, was last year, is splitting reps with a rookie and asked to play split reps. And usually in more pivotal veteran player times you'd want him in there he comes in there and he does something like that again Juwan jennings three huge catches two for first downs kept drives alive jimmy g again was great in this game he had some weird plays early where the ball was kind of coming out weird but he threw the ball the way three times when does he do that he doesn't do that despite how inconsistent and undisciplined this niners team was They won the game. They came out on top. That's all that matters, right? And going to their team stats, you can see it right here. They held the ball for 13 more minutes than the Chargers. They outgained them by 149 yards. Had 10 more first downs. They had one pick. Penalties uh, 5-1. to to 52 yards to 5. That's not great. And Part of me does believe that, and, and, and somebody asked me again today before I recorded the podcast, they asked me, they said, hey, look, what was your biggest takeaway from the game against Chargers? And I said, we have all of the ingredients for a huge and long, sustainable playoff run it just felt like that this was the first day, the first game that Kyle Shanahan had all his toys and didn't know what to do. This was the feel it out game. And I am fully expecting this offense to be more explosive, to have more creativity behind it, to not be vanilla, to not be the ham and cheese offense that I talked about earlier. It's going to be the buffet offense. You want to know why? Because it has to be. If I told you I was going to give you one of the best offensive minds in football in Kyle Shanahan, a top five offensive weapon in football in Christian McCaffrey, if not the best, one of the best running backs in football, Elijah Mitchell, who was this team's leading rusher last year, almost a thousand yards last year. Then Debo Samuel, who had an All-Pro year last year, I get it, You know, hasn't been the same guy, but he's getting back there. He had some touches late in this game, were big. Didn't get called, you know, the face mask wasn't called on him. Like, he had some important plays in this game. You had George Kittle, who was always in big moments coming up with one, two big plays. And you have Ayuk having a great year. How does that not work? It's like putting a puzzle together and saying, the picture's ugly. Yeah, but does it fit? Do the pieces fit? Yeah. But to me, this is a puzzle that all the pieces fit, and the end result is going to be something special. Now, how long does that last? I don't know. Does it last two, three, four years? I'm I'm not sure. But I do think that San Francisco right now, despite the ugly loss or win, excuse me, not a loss. Despite the ugly win, despite all the missed opportunities, the turnovers, they are 5-4. and four. And they're traveling to Denver, then Mexico City, to host, play the Cardinals, I guess, although they are the home team, to play the Cardinals with a chance to get the division lead. I don't know how this team with these players doesn't come up big in that spot. This is a team that they know they've underperformed. They know that they should be so much better than they actually are. They know that the missed opportunities, the loss against the Bears and the Broncos and the Falcons, those things can come back to haunt you. That's why I believe they're so motivated. I do think that Kyle Shanahan will tighten the screws. I do think that, again, you cannot you, you can't waste this Jimmy Garoppolo, who despite being 9 for 28, was house freaking money on third downs. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo on third and eight plus yards, six for seven, 90 yards, four first down, and 118.8 rating. This season alone, Garoppolo has converted 45.2% on third and eight plus yards. Second best to Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying Jimmy's Mahomes. I'm just saying you cannot waste this Jimmy. And Jimmy right now is elevating people around him. And I do think now Kyle Shanahan having the full buffet of offensive weapons will do the same. And I do think that they'll meet and surpass Jimmy's play level. This team will catch fire. Now, I don't know when (laughs) That, that could be in a few weeks. But with this team, the way they played against the Chargers, while I do not think it's sustainable, I do think it is the tipping point for them where they've already had their two get right games now this is their we already are right we've already gotten right now we're gonna stay right and we're gonna win ugly games but we're also gonna win pretty too and I just think that many fans are waiting for more pretty wins like the Panther game in the two Rams games and they're coming and I do think they may come as early as this Monday against the Cardinals so stay tuned We'll preview that game earlier or later this week, excuse me. And we'll see. It's no Zach Ertz. Tours ACL for the Cardinals. Kyler Murray may not play in Mexico City. We shall see what happens as the week progresses. But if you want to go to that game, you want to go see this team play the Bucks, the Dolphins, the Saints, all at home, you're going to want to use that promo code 49ersAccess at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first Purchase again at SeatGeek.com. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. Follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. You can also use our Fanatics link down in the description. It's the holidays. I know you or your friends or your family, they want some San Francisco 49ers gear to celebrate Christmas. Maybe it's a birthday. Heck, maybe it's the new year. Use that link down in the description. Support the podcast and get some Niner gear for yourself, for your friends, or your family. Celebrate the holidays right with some San Francisco 49ers gear from fanatics.com. And once again, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. And stay faithful.